it really is the thought that counts. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of different thoughts in my day about myself, about the people around me, about the places I've been, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today is our thoughts. Uh, We're in a series called Soul Toxins, and today we're going to talk about our septic thoughts. So if you haven't already, look around you, you should see a name tag somewhere close by. Go ahead and get that name tag and put it on. So I need everybody to grab a name tag and put it on. This is one of those audience participation things because there's a follow-up to this. So if there's, there's an empty seat around you, I'm sure there's a name tag. Um, I saw a couple people looking them over. They're all bad. So <laughs> the, I wanted to do this little video that we just saw live, but the elders said, I can't have you all writing on the walls <laughs> that I'd have to come back in and paint them. So we skipped over that. But I wanted to kind of set that tone. Um, so, and I've got one too, so, so I'm not making you do anything that I'm not willing to do. Uh, and, and I gotta tell you, this is, these are two things we're about to do, or two things I hate to do in church, and that's put name tags on people, especially visitors, because that makes everybody feel awkward. Uh, but I hate being labeled. And, uh, but what I want you to do now, that you put your name tag on, I want everybody to stand up. This is the second thing I hate. I don't, I, hate's a strong word. The second thing I really don't like doing in church, especially when I've been to visit a church. And now that you're standing, I want you to go ahead and take a few minutes and introduce yourself to the people around you, but you have to use what's on your name tag. So, for example, I, and I'll, I'll play along. I'll just come right down here. Hi, my name is Troublemaker. <laughs> so, go ahead, introduce yourselves. Go ahead, by what's on your name tag. get settled in here. Wow. Don't sit down just yet. You guys, uh, you kind of ruined that for me. Sound like you had a lot more fun introducing yourselves than I thought you would. My, my next statement, (laughs) my next statement is that was certainly awkward, wasn't it? But you guys seem to some of you are thinking, I'm a prophet. How did he know? How did he know that about me? How did he know where I was going to sit? <laughs> uh, listen, no, nobody likes to be labeled. Do, do you like to be labeled? I don't like to be labeled. Uh, and that can be very... Did anybody really enjoy this? I mean, seriously, I know we made fun of it, but um, if you enjoyed this, you're not going to be part of our welcome committee, I can tell you that, <laughs> all right? Um, but... <laughs> It was a little exercise of embarrassment that nobody was supposed to enjoy. You were supposed to be mumbly and stuff, but thank you for playing along. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, but the bad news is it's not over, okay? Don't, don't take this off. Uh, but what I want you to do is keep it on, and from time to time, 
Glance down and, and just read it to yourself as, as I'm preaching. Now, if I see you staring at your name tag too long, I'm going to assume you're asleep and I'm going to have somebody nudge you, okay? But from time to time, just glance down and check out your name tag. And before we go any further, I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you. Uh, I thank you that we can come together, uh, that we can do something that's kind of awkward, but we can, we can immediately have a sense of fellowship about it. And Lord, I pray today, as we look at these, these words, broken and lost and hurt and defeated and rejected and troublemaker, um, I pray, Lord, by the end of today, we'll, we'll see a totally different word on that name tag. And so I pray that, that your spirit would move. I pray that, that your word would, would be alive in us today. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You know, this name tag that I have, it kind of reminds me of a time when I was in high school. Now, admittedly, I was not the best kid in the world. Uh, but the summer after my 10th grade year, I left Miami. I grew up in Miami, for those of you who don't know. And, and the summer, just as I was coming out of 10th grade, I moved to Duggar, Indiana to live with my granny. Uh, I had some issues in Miami. I needed a change of scenery, is how they said it. So... They changed my scenery. I went to Duggar, Indiana, a town that had about 1,800 people in it, and I lived with my granny. I was, I was in town for the summer, so as summer kind of went along, I signed up for football, for the high school football team. I started practicing with the team, getting to know everybody in town, all that stuff. And as summers go, I met this girl. And um, yeah, I know, oh, <laughs> met a girl. We started dating, and then school started. So I'm playing football. I have a girlfriend, and we're in school. And, and we're like in week two or three of the school year. And this kid comes up to me and he goes, hey, we need to talk. I said, okay, start talking. And he, he kind of looks around. He goes, no, not here. He said, come meet me at the flagpole at lunch. I want to talk to you. I was like, okay, I'll see you there. So lunchtime rolls around and we, me and my girlfriend, we go and grab a sandwich. And then we head over by the flagpole. And, uh, and here's this kid that came up to me. And he's standing there with like eight or nine other guys. Okay, and I wasn't born last night. I knew this was a less-than-average situation, okay? But I wasn't very bright, admittedly. And uh, my girlfriend says, hey, let's go. This isn't going to be good. And I said, no, nah, let's just see how it plays out. I thought, how bad can it be? She said, this kid's in trouble. He's the town bully. I kind of laughed at that because he wasn't all that big. And uh, I told her, I said, it'll be okay. So he says to me, he says, I need to talk to you about keeping your mouth shut. I was like, oh, he's been talking to my family. <laughs> Talk too much. I, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I heard you've been talking about me. I said, I, said, I don't even know you. But what did I say? <laughs> he says, you know what you said. You told this girl I was talking about her. First off, I said, well, were you? He said, no. I said, okay. I said, I'm not sure where you're getting your information, but it's wrong because I don't know you and I don't know her. I've only been in town like eight weeks. He said, well, you'll know me after today. I stuck my hand out. I said, well, nice to meet you. <laughs> He wouldn't shake my hand, and so I started to walk away. He steps in front of me and says, hey, I don't think you understand me, Mr. Miami. I was like, really? We ain't done talking. And he does one of those shoulder shove things, you know, that guys who want to fight but are afraid to fight do. They do that shoulder shove. I, I stepped aside. And I said, well, I've got nothing more to say. I'll see you guys later. I started to walk away a second time. He and a friend of his step up and in front of me again and say, hey, we ain't done talking. I said, well, I'm listening. And they repeated themselves. They're going to teach me to keep my mouth shut and blah, 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 all that on and on. And, and uh, after a few minutes, I just excused myself again. And so I said, I'm not worried about it. We're walking away a third time. 
walked away a third time. And my girlfriend was saying to me, just don't listen to him. They're, you know, he's a bully. They're just, they're just fools. And this young man takes it upon himself to say some non-repeatable and less than average things about my girlfriend, being other things than a young lady. I would like to tell you right here now that, that I just, um, you know, I walked away a fourth time and that I was a bigger man. But I didn't. <laughs> In fact, I turned and I faced him and his friends and I just simply said, okay, who's first? And he stepped in, and, and he did one of those crazy wide swings, and I kind of ducked out, but he hit me in the side of my head, hit me right in my left ear. I'll never forget it, because it was a hard hit. But what happened next was that my ears started ringing. And then all I know is that we're sitting in the principal's office, and the principal's yelling at me, answer my question! I didn't know how I got to the principal's office. <laughs> Apparently, I had blacked out. He said, what happened at the flagpole at lunchtime. And I said, you'll have to ask them because all I know is I got hit in the ear and that's it. And he steps aside and he goes, he's not really able to talk. And there's the nurse like ice on his face and wiping him up and, <laughs> you know, and holding his jaw. And, all. and I was like, now you better start talking. And they're like really getting upset with me. And I said, I'm telling you, I don't know. Well, as it turned out, I beat up the town bully. Um, and while we were fighting, all of his buddies ran. <laughs> He wasn't looking good at all, and he wasn't feeling that tough, all that tough at the moment. But, and it's a funny story now. I'm, I'm 42 years old almost, and it's, it's a funny story. Um, but the sad thing is, what, what really comes down to it when you do something stupid like that is you get labeled. And, and for me, from that day on, I was known as the town troublemaker, which apparently is worse than being the town bully, okay? Um, and so I was like, I just didn't understand it because... The funny thing is, is that nobody ever wanted to hear my whole side of the story about how I walked away from him three times. Nobody wanted to hear that. All they heard was that I stepped into a circle of friends who were just minding their own business eating lunch, and I said, who's first? <laughs> that's, that's the story that they wanted to hear. And it was amazing to me how many of the adults in my life wanted to believe that I walked up, and like I said, I wasn't the best kid, but I, I wasn't stupid. I wouldn't just walk into a group of 10 people and say, hey, bring it, you know. But that's what they wanted to believe, that, that I was the one who would just walk up to eight or ten guys and say, hey, who wants to fight? I was labeled from that day on. I was told by my aunt, she had this little pizza shop in town. And, and again, those of you from small towns or have been through small towns know that not much happens in a small town that everybody doesn't know about it. And my aunt had a pizza shop, best pizza in the world, Sweetens Pizza. And, but from that day on, I was labeled as a troublemaker. And she actually had a talk with me. I remember sitting in the booth at the pizza place. She said, Johnny. And they all call me Johnny. Don't ever do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Too revealing today. I can feel it. <laughs> She's like, Johnny, do you have any idea what this is going to cost my business? Because you're my nephew and you're a troublemaker. I was like, ow. Oh. The girl I was dating, her dad had the talk with me about how he couldn't in good conscience allow his daughter to date someone like me. What? I was defending your daughter. That didn't matter because he wanted to believe what all the other adults wanted to believe. I was told by the football coach at like, as we go into our second football game, that I wouldn't be able to let her that year because he couldn't give someone who was a troublemaker like me the kind of playing time it would take to let her, that I wouldn't be able to let her in football that year. I was labeled. I was basically railroaded by the adults in the town. And it was like, no matter where I went, it was, hello, my name is Troublemaker. And the only person that listened to my story was my granny. 
She said she believed me, uh, but it didn't really matter because that whole year, it was like a name tag that I could never take off. Anytime that someone gave me an opportunity, someone else always made sure to remind them that I was a troublemaker and, and that I, you know, I couldn't even get an after-school job. I went to eight different places that had now hiring signs, a little grocery store, a gas station, the video store. Well, I'd like to hire one guy. I'd like to hire you. Uh, well, but I can't, you know. Uh, so there it was. Hello, my name is Troublemaker. Needless to say, I didn't stay in Duggar, Indiana after my 10th grade year or after that junior year, I went back to Miami. But the sad thing is, every one of us has been labeled by someone. Every one of us in this room have been labeled by somebody. And what's even more disturbing than that are the labels that we give ourselves. Because those seem to be the labels that nobody really knows about, but we never take off. But we, we, we live under those labels. And we can't truly forgive ourselves. We can't truly forgive others and move on because we would rather believe and buy into these septic thoughts that we hold them so close to ourselves, we don't even share them with people. I actually believed I was a troublemaker. And like I said, I wasn't the best kid. But I wasn't a horrible kid. I had manners. I had, you know, I had a little bit of propriety, if you will. But that whole year, if something happened in a classroom and nobody knew who did it, it was me. If something happened in a lunchroom and just randomly something happened, it was me. It didn't matter. If something happened, it came right at me. I couldn't get past it. I started believing it. I don't know what you've been labeled as by family or friends or yourself. But today is a day that we're going to get past those septic thoughts because we get so caught up in them that we just can't forgive. We cling to those septic thoughts. Sometimes I've even been told by people that, that we find comfort in those septic thoughts. We find comfort in because that's just who I am right here. Love me or leave me, that's who I am. And when we cling to those septic thoughts, we aren't able to grab a hold of the truth. When, when we cling to those septic thoughts, we're like the monkeys. They, they get stuck by sticking their hand in a hole that's a trap to get food. And then they can't get their hand out when it's a fist because they won't let go of the food. If they open their hand, they can get it out. But, with, but they can't get it out of the hole when it's a fist. So the hunter comes along, knocks the monkey on the head, and kills the monkey. That's how they do it in the uh, forest. I was just there. That's how we hunted for monkeys. Um, but... But that's what it is, and that's what we do. We do that with our past. We do that with these septic thoughts. We do that with these things like defeat and regret and loser. We hold on to those things so tightly, and we can't, we can't get our hand out of that little trap that Satan has set for us. We're like a monkey holding on to our past. But folks, I'll tell you, the truth will set you free. And the truth is that if you let go of the septic thoughts about your life or the people in your life, like your ex-husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, your, your friend that gossiped about you, your boss that fired you 10 years ago that still is a dirty so-and-so because he let you go. We keep holding on to that stuff and we can't grab a hold of the truth. Maybe you're, you're still holding on to your minister that offended you in last week's message. <laughs> that was me when I kicked off this series. Hope you let go of that. Um, <laughs> you know, do you want to hang on to those septic thoughts like a monkey in a trap? Or do you really want to be free? For the last couple of weeks in our college class, we've been talking about freedom and what freedom really is. And I'll tell you, Christians, sometimes we got to let go of those things so that we can be free. You know, Jesus came into contact with what I like to call some little monkeys. 
They, they were stuck with their hands in the shape of a fist, holding on to some septic thoughts. Let's see how that turned out for them. We're going to turn to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. Starting with verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. I don't get that. (laughs) Their whole history was slavery, but that's another sermon. How is it that you say you will become free? You see that? They're, They're little fists. They're stuck right there. Hanging on to the past. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me. He's telling them right now what's in their heart. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from, my, from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. He's setting it up for him. Hey, you want to believe Abraham? And I'm telling you the truth as I received it straight from God. I was there from the beginning. But you don't want to believe me. You want to hold on to what, what Abraham left. He says, you were doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Those little tight-fisted monkeys, aren't they? They just don't want to let go of that. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you can't hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Remember, he's still calling them out that they want to kill him. He's reminding them who they're really following here. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We need to remember that as we glance down at these name tags. Those words are not true words. The things that you hold tight to, that you allow to define you, that are less than average, those are from the father of lies. Verse 45, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. Do You see what's happening here in this situation? Jesus is trying to tell them who he is. And and what he's here to do. And they are refusing to see him for the Son of God. The Bible says that that these are some of the Jews who had believed in him. But they were still like monkeys with their fist in a trap. Refusing to let go of the past. And in doing so, they quite possibly will be missing out on a new future where truth will set them free. Now I'm not saying that what they were holding on to was a lie. They were holding on to some history. They were holding on to some promise. They were holding on to the promise that they were descendants of Abraham. And here's Jesus you know, and he's changing their whole world. I get that. And he's not just telling them who he is, but he's shown them already. He's done miracles. He's shown who he is, and yet they still want to hold on to the past. They want to be defined as descendants of Abraham. They would rather hold on to that septic thought of being the children of Abraham 
and that that would save them rather than accept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and also that he was sent from God. I noticed that we do the same thing. We come to church, we sing, we listen, we give our tithes, we give our offerings, we have communion, and, and for the moment, for about 45 minutes every week, we forget that we're wearing a label. We come in and we, we pray and we go through these motions. And, and it's great. That's one of the things I love about being here because I forget sometimes the mistakes I made last week. I forget sometimes the things that are hovering above me for the coming week, for that time that I'm here in fellowship with you and worship with you all and focusing on God. And we ask forgiveness while we're here. We pray and, and we say that we won't do it again. We promise God that this week things will be different. But while we're all praying, we still have one hand and a fist holding on to that one thing. What is it for you? Is it regret? Do you hold on to, I wish I had done this? I should have done this? Is it, is it doubt? Do you, do you come in holding on with your, your fist closed up in that trap of doubt? Is God really going to do what he says he's going to do? Hey, can I really trust the people that, that I fellowship with? Maybe you're holding on to a past sin that you just can't get past. Something that you've done or, or something that's been done to you. You just can't forgive. You can't let go enough to, to get your hand all the way out of that trap that Satan has you in. But whatever it is, the Bible tells us in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth is that just like Jesus was trying to tell the Jews, he is from God. The truth is, he has seen us from our very beginning. The truth is, he knows who we are. He knows what we have done. He knows what labels people have put on us and what labels we've put on ourselves. And the truth is, he knows what labels we've allowed the world to put on us. He didn't come to this earth to condemn us for that. The truth is, he came to seek and save that which is lost. And ultimately, he came to give his life as the final sacrifice for the sin of the world so that we don't have to wear these labels anymore. That's the truth. And the truth will set you free. And when we respond to the truth that we read in Scripture, we won't be like the Jews that I read about earlier who would rather be labeled as sons and daughters of Abraham than to be labeled as the child of the one true king. We're going to play a song. And as you listen to that song, there's a very simple response. I've got a group of people that are going to start to hand out some name tags as this song is played. Um, all you have to do is take your old name tag off and put your new one on. But don't do it if you don't mean it. And I know that you may not be a loser and you may not be struggling with regret or defeat. There are only so many words I could come up with. But whatever that word is that's on your chest right now, think it through. As we play this song, all you have to do is take that off. Get rid of that septic thought about yourself or that others have put on you and that you allow to label you. Take it off and put the new one on. And think about those things. As you change your name tag, embrace the reality 
that when we let go of the septic thoughts in our lives, no matter what they are, we truly are children of the one true king. Listen to these words. I like this name tag a lot better. Um, I hope you do too. Um, you know, it comes down to the real simplistic thought that we believe Jesus came to do what he said he did. To, he came to do what he did, and we believe that he did it for us. And we believe that. You can walk out of here wearing this name tag and wearing it proudly. Now, now that we know whose we are, I want us to go into a time of communion where we make sure that we put down any other label and only focus on being a child of the one true king. I hope that as you made that transition, there was a little bit of repentance, maybe a little bit of rededication, maybe a little bit of something in you that said, you know what, I don't want to be regret or defeat or whatever it is that, that you've been in the past. I, that's been my prayer this week, that, that as this exchange happens, you're doing an act of repentance and rededication right there. And so as we focus on that, being a child of the one true king, as we continue our worship, let us respond to God during this time of communion. I'm going to pray, and we're going to pass out our communion. Uh, we invite all believers uh, to partake with us. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that, that your son indeed has, has come and done exactly what he said he would do. I thank you that he did it so that the only label we have is that we are a child of the one true king, that, that we are forgiven, that we are renewed. And Lord, I pray that as we have this time of communion with you, that we'll continue this moment of, of, of rededication, of repentance of asking forgiveness if that's what we need to do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.